You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. We are brought to you by Vivid Seats today. Sponsors are rolling in left and right. Locked On Podcast is growing like crazy. Um, another strange day, kind of back-to-back strange days, had to call a last-minute audible. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus was unable to join me today. He, too, like Sage, will be back next week. We got Sando tomorrow, and then Friday I will pick games, of course. So, um, it was a last-minute type of thing, so I threw it out on Twitter. I have this small window to record today. Wednesday's actually my craziest day. I have two different Steeler shows to do. Um, but that's cool. So we haven't done Twitter Thursday for a while. So here it is a Wednesday and we're going to do Twitter Thursday. So without much ado, let's just, did I say that right? Without much ado. Um, I got a handful of questions from you guys here. So it might be somewhat of a short show, but there's some good questions too. Joe Gear asked me to go through the Jag schedule and tell me if nine wins takes the South. So just pulled it up. They host... Back-to-back home games before they're by. They host the Texans and the Finn or, or the Eagles. Um, they're three and three right now. I'm going to say they split that one. I don't think they beat the Eagles. So going into their Week Nine by, I have them at four wins. They go to Indy. I'm going to say they win that one. Five. Host the Steelers. I'm going to say they lose that one. Although they manhandled the Steelers twice last year. Go to Buffalo, that's their sixth win. Host Indy, that's their seventh win. At Tennessee is a loss for me. They they don't play the Titans well. Host the Redskins is probably a loss for me. And at Miami, at Houston, I think they get one or both of them. So... I'm looking at 4th win Houston, 5th win Colts, 6th win Buffalo, 7th win Colts, 8th win Miami, maybe ninth win Houston. And frankly, to answer your question, I do think 9 wins probably wins that division. You know, I mean, like you look at the AFC and if you look at my power ranks yesterday, New England's going to win their division. Kansas City will probably win their division, although the Chargers are really good. And I think the other one of those teams gets in. Whoever wins the North, I think a second team, possibly a third team goes. But I don't think there's any chance of there being three te- or two, you know, a second team from the AFC South. Will Jacksonville win that division at nine wins? Possibly. Although, if Tennessee can get a, their quarterback healthy, I could see them getting sort of hot, you know, I mean, and, and finishing the, the season respectable, but they're bad right now. Um, let's buzz through there while I have the roster grid up. They go to the Chargers. I will not pick them to win that game. And then a much-needed buy. I'm talking about Tennessee here. Then they go to Dallas. They host New England at, at Indy, at Houston, host the Jets, that Jags game, which is in Tennessee, at the Giants, host Washington, host Indy. There's some tough ones there. I mean, the bye certainly can't come soon enough. I think they lose the Chargers. Do they lose in Dallas? Right now, I would say they do. But if they come out of that bye 
maybe they could be reinvigorated. They probably lose to New England. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Their last seven games aren't very bad. Indy, Houston, Jets, Jags, Giants, Skins, Colts. So if the Titans get a clue, turn things around, get a quarterback that's you know healthy, maybe they finish the season winning five of seven or so and get in with nine or ten wins and a possible um, tiebreaker versus Jags too. So I, I on the surface I would say nine wins probably gets you in, but you're probably tied with somebody else, so you better beat. Uh, the, uh, you know, you better you better beat the Titans. I don't think Houston has a chance. I don't think the Colts have a chance. So I mentioned we are brought to you by Vivid Seats. And I'm pretty psyched. Tomorrow, I'm going to see Metallica here in Pittsburgh. Um, and I got my tickets through Vivid Seats. I mean, how can how great is that? I mean, generally, you know, on a podcast like this, you talk about Hey, get your Steeler tickets, you know, get your Pens tickets, you know, the, the local teams for around here. And I certainly will get some Pens tickets through Vivid Seats. Um, and you could absolutely do the same, too. You know, check out your your local team. You can get season tickets. You can get whatever you want. And like I said, concerts, comedy, you know, all those type of things. So I've told you about these guys before, but they're pretty awesome. And our promo code locked on all one word, all caps, will get you $20, $20 off your first order of $200 or more. So that's what I did. And hey, go to Metallica. Vivid Seats is an online t- event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans with live entertainment like Metallica with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists like Metallica perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find seats to to any of their favorite live events like Metallica, including sports, concerts like Metallica, theater, or more. So, Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. With with our podcast code LOCKEDON, all caps, all one word, listeners receive $20 off a $200 or more purchase if they are a first-time customer, like I did. It was great. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. And of course, all Vivid Seats are confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. All right, all right, all right. So, we got a lot of other questions here. And one little nugget here is from Greg Vukovic or GV Geo Vukovic looks like an obvious Steeler fan are you concerned with James Washington's lack of production so far or are we just spoiled by the recency bias of Juju's early success and I think that has something to do with it usually receivers don't walk in their first month or six weeks of their career and light the world on fire in the NFL as rookies I'm not concerned But I'm a little surprised because I thought Washington would at least be the deep ball guy or catch two or three passes a week, three, four, five targets a week, most of them deep downfield, single coverage, A-B drawing a lot of attention, maybe a bubble screen here and there, a slant, you know, basic route concepts, 
mostly nine routes and posts and things like that. And we haven't seen it yet. And the Steelers really could use a number three wide receiver to step up. But since he's gotten healthy, Vance McDonald has really stepped up and has filled that void. And they want him to play a lot. And they like their tight ends quite a bit. So putting the third receiver on the field isn't as much of a priority as it was. I'm also interested that if and when Lev Bell returns, you know, does he get a, a handful or at least more than a handful, in my opinion, snaps with Connor on the field? And I'm not saying you make Lev Bell a true wide receiver, but you split him out and, and you give him a lot of targets as he's always demanded. So I'm not concerned with Washington and watching him live as much as I did in training camp, mini camp, all those things. He was very impressive. And again, I thought that more would have happened um, from him at this point, but not concerned. Joshua Silber, real good friend of the show. He asked me for the Giants, would you rather have Barkley and Herbert in 2019 or Darnold and a high front seven guy in 2019? I'm not avoiding your question. I just don't know the draft prospects well enough. I mean, I, I know the, the dude from Oregon is lighting it up and everyone thinks he's going to be a really high pick. And one th thought I have on that matter is, and this doesn't matter which one I want, but if they do draft a guy, or I've mentioned I would trade a second-round pick for Jacoby Brissett if I could, if I'm the Giants, a new quarterback in New York is going to be really happy that Barkley's there. So I do think that's an aspect you have to think about here is the transition for the new guy, assuming he's a young guy, will happen much easier with Barkley in the mix. I mean, he's Eli's best friend. I mean, he is the ultimate whoopee in the receiving game, in the running game, all those things. But not knowing how good a player prospect Herbert is yet, I would still say Darnold in the high you know, in the high front seven guy. I mean, just because I've leaned on, you know, this this tune is changing, that the running backs are more valuable than people give them credit for. But this is supposed to be an unbelievable defensive line draft. And if it's like Darnold and Bosa, you know, like, that's pretty hard to argue with. I mean, you may have found your cornerstone player on both sides of the ball for the next 10 years. So, yes, I would rather have... That situation. And plus that quarterback, Darnold in this case, would have another year of seasoning. You know, I mean, Darnold a year from now is going to be better than Darnold now. You know what I mean? Like, the more he plays, the more he gets under his belt, the better off you are in that situation. So, yes, I mean, I'd rather have the quarterback stud defensive lineman than Barkley and quarterback to be named later to answer your question. Again, I don't think that Barkley is a bad pick, though. Um, Rudy Jacino asked me, have the Ravens entered the, have the Ravens entered and the Jags exited the elite tier of defenses? Ravens have absolutely entered. I mean, originally I said before last week, I thought Jacksonville and Chicago stood alone. It was a dismal performance by the Bears. I know you're not asking about them, but I really think the Heat had a lot to do with that. Like, I think the Bears will rebound big time. Maybe not against the Patriots this week, but after that, I think they'll be back to an elite defense. As for Jacksonville, the players are elite. However, I think more and more, 
that when you play predictable coverages, great offensive minds are going to eat you up in today's NFL. That I just think that that's where things are going. People know how to attack the Seattle cover three defense now. I mean, they've spent many off seasons working on this, you know, figuring out how to attack those things. And yes, your Jimmy's and Joe's are better than mine, but my X's and O's are better than yours. So I don't want to say they've exited that tier of defense, but it worries me a little bit. And I think it's kind of a case study and a reflection of where the league is now overall, because Great offensive minds are starting to rule the day, and they're winning. You know, they're winning their battles, uh, no matter who the defense is. You know, you're seeing points galore. So, I think Jacksonville might have to change their ways a little. As for the Ravens, yes, I think they're in that tier two. I mean, eleven sacks this week. They haven't allowed a second half touchdown. I mean, think about that for a minute. That's insane. Um, very complex on the back end. Excellent secondary. Healthy Mosley goes a long way. Big-time run stuffers in the middle. I know they just had 11 sacks, but this sounds stupid for me to say, but I don't know that they have great pass rushers, but they have good ones, obviously. Um, their scheme, they throw a lot at you. They disguise their coverages really well, too. So, yeah, I'm going to call the Ravens as an elite. Uh, now that's a group of three. And one of them, Baltimore, the arrow's going up. The other two, the arrow's going down. Um, going to take a super quick break. And then I got a couple more questions to buzz through here with you guys. So be right back. All right, all right. We are back. And I got a couple more questions. Again, I apologize for an abbreviated show. But there was a short notice situation. Um, I absolutely urge you to check out the rest of the Locked On Network. Uh, we have some college shows now. I mean, NBA, if that's what you're into, that's the flagship. And, of course, all your favorite teams around the NFL. Joshua Silver writes me another one, and it's a tough one. Who deserves a second contract among Dak, Winston, Mariota? It's not easy. Um, I really liked what we saw from Dak this past week, first of all. We'll get to the other two in a minute. But they incorporated some college principles the numbers really show that when he is a runner, they are way more successful, and they have to keep employing him that way. Hopefully, that the bell went off and you know dismantling a good defense. Obviously, that this is the way we have to play with this guy. Winston, I think you guys know I am a big fan. I think there will always be inconsistencies. I can't comment on what kind of person and leader he is. If you have big concerns about those things, uh, I'd be a lot less hesitant, obviously, to give him massive money. Mariota, I love this guy. You know, I was all on board. I keep excusing it away as he's not healthy. And our doctor, you know, Dr. Chow, who works with us at Clayton Football, has said it's like throwing a ball with a massive, massive um, funny bone injury. You know, like how your, your funny bone rings and your, tingle, your fingers tingle. Well, multiply that times 10 and try to throw an NFL football is what Mariota's going through. But I almost feel like he's. I'm, I, I can always. There's always an excuse. You know, it's kind of like the Sam Bradford conversation. Like, Okay, it's a new scheme. He's not getting help. But, like, at some point, you just got to look at the player and say, you got to be better. 
I mean, you got to be better. Are, are you good enough? Do you throw the ball well enough? I, I, I tend to think all three are extension worthy, and I think all three's best days are ahead of them. But it would depend on the money, too. I mean, if we're talking like Alex Smith, Andy Dalton extensions, or more year-to-year situations, that's, I think, how you have to approach it, as opposed to, you know, Kirk Cousins' money, you know, three-year you know, three-year lock-em-up guaranteed $90 million type. And I don't think they could have the right to ask for that right now. Um, <laughs> my name is Mappa, call me M-Dub, asks, who would win a battle royal fight-to-the-death scenario amongst the entire locked-on crew? It's good stuff. Um, I have to say that I haven't met hardly any of the locked-on crew in person but I have met John Ledyard, and he's a badass. He's a big, strong dude, much younger than me. He'd whip my butt. I'd bite and claw and scratch. I'd do my best. But I got to go with Ledyard on this one. But good question. I wish I had more information to tell you. I'm sure there's many badasses throughout the Locked On Network. And it would be a, quite the battle royale. But I think my better days are behind me. Uh, Simon just asks, given the Browns' injury issues at wide receiver and favorable schedule over the next few weeks, is Duke Johnson a flex consideration for you? It's not a fantasy show, but I think it's an interesting topic because just for the fantasy world, if you look at the Browns, they have some very easy pass defenses on the horizon, and they do have wide receiver issues. And I took this question because the reality is last year, Duke Johnson was their slot receiver. I mean, he was more Wes Welker than he was Sony Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, he was basically a wide receiver that got a few carries. And, I mean, Haley's new, but... And you have a slot guy in Landry. But I would think you have to expand Duke's role while Hyde or Chubb is on the field, too, because of the injury situation. Unless a guy comes back. I mean, you'd rather, as good as Duke is as a receiving running back, wouldn't you rather have Higgins on the field or somebody like that? I also think the Browns will probably be in the market for a number one type receiver. And this draft is supposed to be very good with that group. The, you know, the prototype outside the numbers, big dude. Uh, this offseason, I think that'll be one of their highest priorities. Um, Aaron Bodson, this is my last question. What would you say the chances are that Chad Kelly is the starting quarterback next week at Kansas City? How about the week following that? We're obviously talking about Denver here. Um, it's funny because for ClaytonFootball.com, I write with a very heavy fantasy spin. I write up the Thursday game. I write up the Monday game, like a thousand words when the home team has the ball, when the away team has the ball, and then I pick a Sunday game that's like the game of the week. You know, like I picked Chiefs Patriots last week. And I'm one-third done with the article. Maybe not even. You know, like, And the first sentence I wrote in the when Denver has the ball is, this is for Thursday, a couple of days from now, two to one day from now, that I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game Chad Kelly enters the, enters the fray. And... I had a couple questions lined up for Mike Renner, and maybe I'll ask Sando tomorrow. But I wanted to ask those guys, if you were the GM, what's the worst quarterback situation in the league? And by that, you factor in age, certainly performance, 
what you have invested in these guys. And I think it comes down to Jacksonville, Denver, and the Giants. You know, the Giants at least can move on from Eli. It's a nightmare now, and you can get your guy like we talked about earlier. The Jags are paying Bortles, but it's not an obscene amount of money, although they continue to not add anybody else. And then there's a rumor that they could trade for Eli. I mean, you're talking about making a bad situation worse. I mean, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And I get the Coughlin connection, but man, that's that's not who I would be attacking. I mean, I'd rather Tyrod Taylor. I'd certainly rather have Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I'll go on and on. But I think Denver's in that conversation too, especially when you factor in they just gave big money, not massive money, but big money to Case Keenum, who isn't good enough. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it just isn't. He's killing the team right now, and there's a lot of dysfunction going on there. Starting with the GM, I bet the coach gets fired. Uh, I think you have to see what Kelly brings very soon. And I know he's volatile off the field and all those things, but he's got talent. He's looked good in the preseason. I think he has to play very soon. So my apologies. You know, we did, we will get Mike back next week. But this was fun. I like doing the Twitter Thursdays with you guys. Um, and tomorrow we will have Sando. So take care. Over and out. Spread the word.